Thank you. So today we're going to uh, we're going to get back to the Sermon on the Mount. We took we took a week off and uh, did did Father's Day. A couple of weeks ago, we began by uh, looking at the uh, Beatitudes in chapter five. And remember, Jesus in his teaching is uh, giving us information about the kingdom. The math, in Matthew, it's referred to as the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And uh, remember, the, the first four Beatitudes talked about uh, getting into the kingdom, you know, the, the heart that's required. Uh, what did Jesus say? You know, to enter the kingdom, uh, we must be born again of, of the Holy Spirit. The remaining uh, Beatitudes, though, speak of the, uh, the life of the, of the kingdom person, the, the transformed life. Is, is this read through the whole, the whole list here, Matthew 5, 3 through 12. Starting with verse 3, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, you know, I was was thinking this morning, I was was reflecting, we we talked about this uh, a little bit the, the first time, you know, what, what is Jesus getting across here? Is he telling us how to get saved, how to become saved? Is he, in fact, is he even giving us commands here? No, he's not. Now, we are told to do these things. We are given commands elsewhere in the scripture, but right here, Jesus is just saying, you know what? The people who this describes, these are happy people. When you when you do these things, when you show mercy, when you when you make peace, when you etc. When you do these things, your life is going to go better. You know what he what he doesn't say in in Matthew is uh, you know the the alternative. If if we don't have these things, you know life is is not going to go well for you. And he uh, in in another sermon, it's a sermon on the plains in uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus kind of kind of addresses these things from from that angle. Interesting to look at. Anyway, we covered the first four last time. Let's look at the next three, uh, starting with uh, the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, God cares about our heart. God cares about our our motives. He cares about why we do what we do he it's it's our inner life that he's concerned with you know the kind of person we are in our our relationships with both with him and and with other people and we we should also notice as as we go through these uh, beatitudes there they're all kind of interrelated yes you know, it it kind of paints this uh 
this picture of a, of a heart attitude, and you see how one of these beatitudes spills in into another. But in verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, what is mercy? I've, I've heard various definitions. The one I hear usually is uh, when, when we receive mercy, we do not receive what we deserve. Like when a, when a judge commutes somebody's sentence, somebody's committed a crime, they deserve to go to jail, and the judge says, I'm going to sentence you to 10 years in jail, but I'm going to suspend that, system, that sentence. I'm going to give you maybe a month of community service or something, and the, the, the lawbreaker goes, whew, <laughs> that's mercy. That's mercy. He didn't get what he deserved. But you know, a better example is uh, God's mercy towards us in, in sending his son, Jesus, so that those who believe in him won't, won't perish like we deserve. We deserve death, but, but in, his, in his mercy, he, he commutes our, our sentence. He gives us eternal life instead if we believe in Jesus as our Savior and, and receive him. You know, this is, this is the ultimate display of mercy. It's a display of God's very character. God is, God is a merciful God. He's, he's actively merciful and, and compassionate, and this is how we need to be. In Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, the Apostle Paul tells us to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So mercy is, is an attribute of God, which he is happy to share with us. Being, being a person of mercy goes, goes beyond just doing acts of mercy. It's, you know, it is something we might do, but, you know, it really reveals our character. And in our character, the, the character of God as, as we imitate him. And I know I've mentioned this in, in another sermon, but, uh, you know, when we, when we look at the attributes of God, there, there are many of them. You know, we can kind of think of these as, as facets. You know, think of a diamond with the, the different faces. You know, if we turn the diamond, we may see this facet or that facet, but, you know, it's, it's the same diamond. And these, these attributes work together. God is a God of, of judgment. God is a God of righteousness, but he's also a God of, of mercy, James says something very surprising in, in his letter. He says, and, and this, this is kind of startling to some, James 2.13, he says that mercy triumphs over judgment. And yeah, I, I, love, I love the way Jeremiah describes this in the book of Lamentations. And, and uh, here's, here's one Instance where I really uh, prefer the King James Version, the way it's, uh, the way it's written. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's because of his mercies that we're not consumed now, this word translated mercy in, in the New Testament, in the original language, it uh, is concerned with people 
being concerned uh, about people in their need, being, being merciful, sympathetic, compassionate. Um, you know, mercy should define our relationships. You know, it should guide our, our thoughts, should guide our, our actions towards one, in, one another, how we treat people. And being a, being a person of mercy is going to transform our relationships. It's going to give us a new way of looking at others. Definitely change the way we treat others. Tim Keller says the word mercy means to be moved by empathy for the suffering of somebody else. It means to vibrate to somebody else's pain, to feel somebody else's pain and be moved to extravagant effort to alleviate that suffering. Mercy is to be moved with compassion for someone else's hurt and to alleviate that hurt at an extravagant cost to yourself. You know, I, I, know, I know doctors and nurses who I can, I can point to and say, that this is a very merciful person. You know, I think of this story that, that Jesus tells about the, uh, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan who, who helped this man who'd been beaten and, and robbed and left on the, on the roadway. And these, these religious leaders, these religious people just walk on by, you know, and go to the other side of the road so as to not get too close to this person walking on by. And they all had their reasons, but... Uh, you know, they were not people of mercy and, and compassion, were they? Uh, but the Samaritan was. He had, he had mercy on this poor guy, and it, and it cost him. Uh, Jesus said he had, had compassion. This is in Luke uh, 10, 33 35 He had compassion. He, he went up, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii. And gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I get back. And remember Jesus saying, when a, when a person is merciful, this person's blessed. This person is happy. And you know, when I read through the gospel accounts and I think about these religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, is, is, a, is a picture painted of them as happy people? No, they seem kind of a dour and uh, kind of always, always looking for fault in other people. You know, very, very pessimistic, vengeful. Anyway, having mercy again is is costly. It, it requires personal sacrifice. The, uh, the Samaritan paid in terms of, of time and resources. He, he put aside his feelings maybe that he had of, of prejudice and animosity, and he, he gave of himself to take care of this, this poor guy who was uh, beaten up and robbed. Uh, you know, during, during the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, I remember at, at first especially Really having a lot of admiration for the uh, the healthcare workers and the uh, the first responders and the the people who, you know, not knowing even really what the risks truly were, were, were getting out there on the on the front lines and caring for people, showing mercy. You know, I, I think of the uh, the business owners during that time who. Uh, stayed open and, and operated at, at a loss to keep their employees 
uh, fed and, and clothed. We, we, we were down in uh, Arkansas at the time, and we had this guy in our church. His name was Al Brown, who owned a restaurant. And uh, that, was, that was the case with him. He was, he was losing a lot of money every week that he stayed open, but he, but he did it because he had, he had compassion on, on his employees. Uh, anyway, blessed are the merciful. Thank God for these people. Being merciful requires us to uh, lay down our, our pride, our, our stubborn pride. It, it acknowledges us to uh, realize our own spiritual poverty, you know, realizing that really we're no better. We're no better than, than anyone else. It requires us to put other people's needs above our own many times. It requires just this, this humble spirit and, you know, doing acts of mercy uh, elsewhere in, in 12, Romans 12, 8, it says that this, this is a gift. This is something that God gives us the ability to do. We're not good at this kind of thing on our own, most of us. So as beneficiaries of God's great compassion and mercy, you know, what's, what's the response? We should allow that mercy and compassion to flow to other people. You know, we're, we're tempted when we see someone else suffering to, to just think, you know, they, they brought this on themselves. We can think of a million reasons why maybe they're going through the, the troubles they are. Thank, thank the Lord he doesn't uh, do that to us. Um, maybe they did bring it upon, uh, on themselves, you know, just like we did in our sin and rebellion you know, we, we brought death upon ourselves. We, we walked away from God. We separated ourselves from God. But God, in his great love and compassion, at great cost, sent his only son, Jesus, to, to bear our sin. He showed us mercy, mercy that is so much greater than anything we can ever show. So God cares about our hearts. You know, this is, this is part of kingdom living, being a, a person of mercy, being like Christ, being like the king. Next is pure in heart, the pure in heart. You know, we've, we, we see as we go along that, that God is just so concerned with, with what's inside us. He, he cares about our hearts. He cares about our relationships. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So uh, you know, we might ask ourselves, well, you know, why, why would we want to be pure in heart? Uh, by nature, we're not. By nature, we're, we're driven by our own desires, our own passions. You know, we, we want what's best for us. Or at least what we think is best for us. You know, we, we, we tend to be wrong. We, we might tend to desire things that will give us the advantage uh, maybe seeking relationships to somehow fulfill our our own needs maybe maybe we perform good deeds to uh, make ourselves look good to others and our natural tendency is to uh, chase after uh, substitutes for God rather than desire God himself we had talked about that a couple of weeks ago what is that it's idolatry 
Anyway, that that sets the backdrop for this this discussion, this this beatitude. You know, we're we're wrong if we think we can clean ourselves up and make ourselves pure. Uh, you know, that we could do better, try harder. You know, if we can if we can do that, then maybe maybe we can be acceptable to God. But uh, no matter how high, how hard we try, uh, we just can't do it on our own. You know, we we're going to fail every time. Uh, so what, what is Jesus saying here? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Perhaps he was alluding to uh, Psalm 24, 4 through 6. David wrote this psalm. Let's see what it says. Uh, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, he who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, of the God of Jacob. You know, when we, when we go after God, when we seek God, it, it changes everything. The, the writer of Hebrew talk, Hebrews talks about this. He says that uh, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who speak or who seek him. Uh, Jeremiah 29.13 says, this is God speaking, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. How can we have a pure heart before God? We can have a pure heart before God because he gives us a new heart. We receive his blessing, which which is his, his righteousness, you know, God doesn't want people who just merely go through the, the motions and perform their, their religious duties, doing good works, following the rules, but not seeking him. You know, God talks about this kind of heart attitude in Isaiah twenty nine thirteen, where he talks about people who draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And their their fear of me is is a commandment taught by men. The purity of heart is inseparably linked to the uh, the seeking of God, passionately desiring Him to to be in His presence, uh, longing to be uh, with Him, to be close to Him, uh, and and to be like Him. Uh, Charles Wesley. John Wesley's brother, he, he wrote a bunch of hymns. Uh, maybe some of you from a Methodist background have sung a lot of his hymns. But he, he penned these words, A heart in every thought renewed and full of love divine, perfect and right and pure and good, a copy, Lord, of thine. So pure heart is for those who desire to, to seek God, to, to submit him, to be like him. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. And then when we, when we call on the Lord, our, our sinful desires are replaced by uh, the desire for him for his purity, his holiness, to seek his presence in our, in our lives, uh, you know, to, to enjoy the, uh, 
the fruit of, of the indwelling spirit, his spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, our, our efforts to, to earn his favor will be replaced with, with empty hands saying, Lord, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to bring other than these hands to receive what you have for me. Yeah. Let's seek him. Let's, let's allow him to purify our hearts and, and make us holy. Well, these things, mercy, purity, um, you know, they, they paint a portrait again of a, a kingdom person. One, who, one who's been born again of the Spirit, bearing the, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, next, Jesus talks about peacemakers. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah, I'm afraid that in our culture, um, well, I'm afraid our culture itself in, in many ways work, works against peacemaking. Uh, there was there was an article back in uh, June June of 20, 2020 by Elizabeth Chang in the Washington Post. It's called "Americans Are Living in a Big Anchor or a Big Anger Incubator." Tongue twister. Americans are living in a big anger incubator. She said, "Americans are angry." And remember when this is? This, this is right in the middle of that that, that pandemic. The country erupted into the worst civil unrest in decades after the death of George Floyd. And anger about police violence and the country's legacy of racism is still running high. At the same time, we're dealing with anger provoked by the coronavirus pandemic. Anger at public officials because they've shut down parts of the society. Anger because they're not doing enough to curb the virus. Anger about being required to wear a mask or anger towards people who refuse to wear a mask. Anger at anyone who doesn't see things the right way. We're living in, a, in effect in a big anger incubator, says Raymond Navaco, a psychology professor at UC Irvine. According to psychiatrist Joshua Morgenstein, the country is now dealing with three disasters superimposed on top of one another. The pandemic, the economic fallout, civil unrest. He said, certainly one way of responding and a common way of responding is anger. Surveys over the last few years suggest that anger has risen in the country even before 2020. A Gallup poll conducted in 2018, for example, concluded that American stress, worry, and anger had intensified that year. 22% of Americans had felt that the Previous, excuse me, 22% of Americans had felt anger the previous day, up 17% from a year earlier. Anger. You know, the, the Beatitudes here really show us God's heart for his, his children, his own heart that he wants to see in us. We, we get a glimpse of him and his character and his holiness we, we get a picture of what being a, a disciple, a, a Christ follower is. And uh, I think it's especially evident in, in this beatitude. Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And, you know, peace is a, it's a subject that, that is all over the Bible. It permeates both the Old and the New Testament. 
Um, you know, and how, how it must grieve the Lord when, when the members of his body, instead of working to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, uh, work to destroy unity. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the, the children of God. This is our calling. We're called to be peacemaker. God calls us to live in peace with, with one another. And notice how peacemakers, Jesus says, are called the children of God. This, this should be our identity as children of God. You know, this is, this is part of who we are, is what Jesus is saying. If we're in the kingdom, if we're part of God's children, and God is our Father, we should be peacemakers. We should be known as those who live in peace with each other. You know, this, this is what we do in this family. We, Chris and I just had a um, real quick family reunion for a couple days in, in Oregon this week. And, you know, it's kind of interesting just sitting back and watching people and listening to conversations and seeing the, uh, the peacemakers and those who weren't peacemakers, <laughs> the, the, the peace breakers and the peace fakers, you know, all these, all these dynamics working together. You know, we've, we've got one, one sibling who just likes to needle others and then we've got another who works very hard just to, you know, smooth things over. Very interesting. <laughs> anyway. In Ephesians 5, we're, we're commanded to be imitators of God as his beloved children. We keep going back to this. This is God's heart. This is what God wants us to be imitators of him you know god god is called in the scripture the the god of peace what's jesus called the prince of peace and the holy spirit is called the spirit of peace do you think this is important to the to the triune god i think it is the spirit through jesus or god through jesus excuse me brought reconciliation to sinners according to Paul and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation as well peacemakers are those who actively work to bring peace to relationships they they strive to bring peace to a world that, that does not know peace they go all out to bring peace in the church putting others above themselves They, they seek to outdo each other in, in showing honor. You know, going well beyond just keeping the peace. There's a difference between peacekeepers and peacemakers. Going well beyond just keeping the peace, peacemakers proactively seek peace. So, you know, we, we need to ask ourselves, are, are we peacekeepers? Are we recognizable as, as the children of God? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peacebreakers work against peace. Uh, we all know people like that. Maybe we're that way ourselves at times, stirring up strife, stirring up conflict. 
James 4, 1 through 2 describes the conflict that that we have. He says in um, James 4, 1 through 2, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. This this goes back again to an idolatrous heart. You know, we, these, these desires that, that we have override our, our relationship with God, our relationship with, with another. You can't get what you want, so you make war. You know, peace faker sees conflict, lives in the middle of it, um, pretends everything's okay, but what happens? It just simmers and boils. And the pressure builds. It's like a pressure cooker. It's gonna, it's gonna explode at some point if it's not if the <laughs> if, it's, if there's no resolution. But a peacemaker actively seeks peace. And in, in Ephesians four, four one, Ephesians four one, Paul describes a peacemaker. Ephesians four one through two. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you all to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Did you catch that word, eager? He's he's not saying do this reluctantly. He's saying be eager to do this. You know, this this should be a passion that we have. Peacemakers... (laughs) Seek to glorify God in, in every situation. You know, a peacemaker seeks to see his or her own part of a, of a conflict and, and take responsibility for it. You know, Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye before you take the, the splinter out of your brother's eye. Uh, you know, pe- peacemaking... Is a heart attitude. It's it's a way of being. It's a manifestation of, of God's Spirit in us. It's it's imitating Christ, the the Prince of Peace. God cares about our hearts, and that's what these beatitudes are about. You know, the, the heart of, of a kingdom person. So let's examine ourselves this morning. You know, Jesus is, Jesus is showing us what a transformed life looks like. A changed heart. You know, are, are we people of mercy? Are we, are we people of, of purity and, and holiness? Are we uh, pe- people of peace? And again, we can't do this on our own. You know, these, these are things we need God active in our hearts to, to be able to do. You know, these are, these are things that genuinely mark us as God's children, as Christ followers. And so what's our responsibility? It's to yield to the Holy Spirit in us, letting, letting him mold us and, and make us and form us to, to the image of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I, for one, uh, am, am convicted by all of this. Uh, 
Lord, we want, we want to be like you, Lord. Conform us to, to your image. Transform us, Lord. Fill us with, with your spirit. Uh, Lord, make us to be people of mercy. Uh, help us, Lord, to, to see others as, as you see them, as people, <laughs> others who need you. Uh, somebody mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, we're just, we're just beggars, needy people. We're just beggars showing other beggars where, where to find the bread. Lord, make us holy as, as you are holy. Help us, Lord, to, to, have, to have clean hands and, and, and pure hearts. Uh, make us, Lord, to, to be people of, of peace, you know, people who, who actively pursue peace, who are eager to maintain unity in the bond of peace, putting others' concerns before our own, Lord. Lord, we, we acknowledge we, we cannot do this on our own. So, Lord, we, we rely on you. We yield to your spirit. Lord, remove the, the dividing walls of hostility that exist between us. Lord, we, we need you. Uh, every hour we need you. Every minute we, we need you, Lord. And ask this, Lord, we pray in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God, who gives us the victory through Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord you labor not in vain. Amen.